0: is jesus of divine or human origin is jesus the promised christ that moses and the prophets spoke of or is he just a teacher from a small village near galilee we can know a lot about the lessons that jesus shared and read a lot of books about the christian life but even when we understand the way of life that jesus offers we don't necessarily change we have information without transformation.
1: That's Bishop Tom Berlin, and today he shares an inspiring message of faith called The Power of Identity. I'm Dalton Rushing. It's Day One.
0: Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now, here's your host to introduce today's speaker.
1: I'm your guest host, Dalton Rushing, and today on day one, we're honored to have with us Bishop Tom Berlin, Bishop of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church based in Lakeland. Tom earned his bachelor's in business from Virginia Tech and his MDiv degree from Kamler School of Theology at Emory University. He earlier served churches of all sizes in the Virginia Conference, including 25 years as lead pastor of Florida's United Methodist Church near the nation's capital. Tom is the author of books that focus on the Christian life and stewardship and has co-authored books on church leadership. Bishop Berlin, welcome to day one.
0: Thank you, Dalton. It's great to be here.
1: You were elected as a bishop in November of 2022 and began serving the Florida Conference just about one year ago exactly. So give us your bishop's bullet points about this very active group of United Methodist Churches and ministries. What is happening in the Florida Conference?
0: You know, in the Florida Conference, um, we just have a lot of hope. Uh, the year of disaffiliation has been a difficult one, um, and some people have decided to to chart a new course, mm-hmm. um, but we're remaining together, and we're, we're smaller, but I think um, there's more joy and more unity, mm-hmm. and there's more of a sense that we're in this together, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, people in Florida, the, the United Methodists in Florida, are very committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ. They want vital churches. They live in a state that um, people from all over the world come to Mm. for everything from the beauty of the natural environment to the theme parks. And people like to come and spend their winters there because of the warm weather. And so we just feel like there's a a lot of opportunity
1: that's before us. You came in at the tail end of the worst of the pandemic one year ago. How have you spent this first year as bishop and what are some of the challenges you're facing now? You know, in
0: the Florida conference, as I said, we have um, seen a lot of our churches that are rebuilding from the time of the pandemic. That was a reset to most congregations. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just difficult to watch friends leave the church. You know, people, it might be within one church where there's been some division uh, over the issues that are before the United Methodist Church. In other cases, whole churches left and clergy left. Mm -hmm. And so people that, that, that you've done ministry with and you've known really well have gone. So I think we've been in a period of healing But we've also been in a period of self-definition. It's been a time where people have said, why am I a United Methodist? Hmm. Why do I want to be a United Methodist? And they've come out with answers to that that satisfy their calling and their Hmm. longing as Christian disciples. And so I, I think that's been very positive. That's the upside of all this. Um, as the bishop, I've tried to encourage people. I've tried to, frankly, get to know a brand new job, which mm-hmm. I've never had before. I've been a pastor for many, many years, but I never served um, in leadership in, in administrative ways. So it's a new role, and I've been trying to use that role to do good, uh, both within the lives of clergy and laity and and to provide a theme of a future with hope. Abounding in hope has been our theme for that past, mm-hmm. this past year, and, and I think that's really significant. Our hope, of course, as Christians, is not based in our ability. It's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ sure. and the new life he offers.
1: You said you believe in the value of the Connectional Church, and you long for a church where all people feel that they belong. How do you hope to foster this kind of church that this world so desperately needs?
0: I think first we have to just recognize we're in a more divided time in our national history than we've ever been. Sure, Um, you know we're this election cycle that is um, started. That's you just know that's going to be hard, right? You know it's going to be difficult in your neighborhood. So I think the way we start to create a space where everybody's included is we commit to respecting people we agree with and people we may not agree with. Mm -hmm. Now that has to be bounded. There have to be boundaries around that respect. So if you if, if we find that people are being destructive or hurting other people, that's different. I'm just talking about sharing opinions, and especially in a church. And my experience is that when we have a high Christology, mm. when we put Jesus at the center of our lives and the center of our of our churches, and we really unite around the thought that Jesus is Lord and Savior, as we draw closer to Jesus, we draw closer to one another. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm amazed sometimes that people who are also Christ followers come to different conclusions than I do. Sure. I I sort of believe that, you know, if you're you're a follower of Jesus as I am, then you'll think everything I think. But that's actually not true Mm -hmm. because I'm being transformed in Christ just as you are. Ah. So I think that in the midst of that difficulty, um, we can look at one another and just say, you know, we're on a journey. And we can create a space where we can have really rich conversations. We can sometimes disagree but not be disagreeable. Mm -hmm. And most of all, I think we have to focus on our service to others. And I found that it's transformational when people work together and serve together for a greater good that's not about them. Mm. It's not about what they're gonna get out of it. Um, so when Jesus calls us to serve our neighbor and to, to you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, mm. you gave me something to drink. And the, the text where he just lays that out, we really do meet him in those points of service. Mm. And in meeting him, I think it draws us together. And, and, you know, I've known people in the church that say, have said to me, I, I don't know why you think the way you think, but you know what? You're, you're one of my people. Mm-hmm. You're. And I think when a church gets to the point where we see each other that way, it's really powerful.
1: Mm. Amen. Tom, your sermon for the second Sunday after the epiphany focuses on the gospel lesson from John chapter one, where Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel to follow him. Would you read it for us? John 1, 43 to 51.
0: The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We found the one about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and
1: descending upon the Son of Man. Tom, we look forward to hearing your message on this passage. It's called The Power of Identity. Thanks for sharing it with us. Hey, thanks for having me. And and it's great to be with you. If you'd like to listen again to today's program with Bishop Tom Berlin with an extended interview, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app to Day One Weekly Program, or you can stream or download it on our website at dayone.org. And if you'd like a free printed sermon transcript, just call us at 404-815-9110. This is Day One guest host Dalton Rushing. In these challenging times, I'm so grateful for the impact this faith-building program, Day One, is making in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. This year, we celebrate 79 years of faithful weekly ministry. If you appreciate this uplifting program, I hope you'll support our work with a generous donation now. You can mail your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Or call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or give securely online at dayone.org. From all of us at Day One, thank you, and God bless you.
0: Often when people talk about those who influence their lives, they name a teacher— Mr. Porterfield was my high school humanities teacher. He shared art and music, culture and history, and he expected us to remember just about everything. In fact, I would say, Mr. Porterfield, what do we need to know for the exam? And he would say, know everything and then you'll be fine. We wrote long papers, we took difficult exams, and that was decades ago. Recently, my daughters provided us with tickets to an art museum. Walking through the galleries, there were these paintings of big, puffy angels and stern-looking people from the Bible, if those people had been born in Italy instead of Palestine. I thought, this collector loved the Baroque and Italian Renaissance periods. I could almost hear Mr. Porterfield congratulating me for recalling that little bit of art history. When I'm in a museum or when I listen to classical music or read a piece of good poetry or literature— I often think of that teacher's influence in my life. Teachers open up our horizons. They expose us to new concepts and ideas, and in so doing, they enable us to grow. Some people today think of Jesus as a teacher. And while it is true that Jesus taught, the experience was even greater. Jesus was a rabbi. So in our text this morning, Jesus is not looking for students. He's looking for disciples. Teachers have a limited focus. They instruct in specific subject areas. And teachers have limited time. By the time you're in middle school, you typically only spend 60, maybe 90 minutes a day with any given teacher before going to another teacher's classroom. And then the next year, you get all new teachers. Now consider the rabbi-to-disciple relationship. That relationship went well beyond academic study. In our scripture today, Philip knew that becoming a disciple would be transformative to him. He and the other disciples that would follow Jesus would spend as much time with Jesus as possible. They'd walk from town to town. They'd stay in the same accommodations. They would talk daily for hours and observe Jesus in a variety of settings. Essentially, it was going to be a three-year camping trip. Now, you think about what it's like to hang out with people over a camping trip, how close you can become, or the hardships you can endure that builds real community. And Philip knew that as a disciple, he would try to become more and more like Jesus. Disciples often called their rabbis master and would follow behind them as they walked. Now, if you're having a hard time imagining that level of relationship, because there's really nothing like that in our society, I don't think, think about the Star Wars movies. Think about the Jedi Knights. The relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi is fundamentally different than my relationship with Mr. Porterfield. The identity of this rabbi, however, makes it more than the average rabbi. Philip told his friend Nathaniel about Jesus because Philip had already come to believe that Jesus was not just any rabbi. Philip found something deeper still in Jesus' identity, and you can hear it in the invitation that he offers to Nathaniel. Philip says, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, notice that Philip is saying two things about the identity of Jesus. He's saying that Jesus is the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote. He's saying that this Jesus is essentially the culmination of the Hebrew Bible. And he's also saying... He's the son of Joseph. He lives over there in Nazareth. When Philip does this, he introduces the question of identity that brings tension throughout the Gospel of John and in our lives today. Is Jesus of divine or human origin? Is Jesus the promised Christ that Moses and the prophets spoke of? Or is he just a teacher from a small village near Galilee, New Testament scholar Gail O'Day observes that there is a connection between the identity of Jesus and how you understand that and the meaning of your discipleship. She writes, and I quote, The decision to be a disciple is inseparable from the decision that one makes about Jesus' identity. Now listen to that again. I want you to think about your own life. The decision to be a disciple is inseparable from the decision one makes about Jesus' identity. In other words, your discipleship will depend in many ways on how you understand Jesus. Who you believe Jesus to be, how you see his role and his function, dramatically impacts your life. Philip wanted Nathanael to also become a disciple of Jesus, and Nathanael was resistant. Nathanael said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now that's that human identity. Apparently Nazareth was not a town out of which many people came that were of great wisdom it wasn't associated with the great rabbis of the day when nathaniel met jesus however he realized that jesus recognized and knew something about him that others didn't know it was as though when he met jesus that jesus looked right into his head and his heart and apparently knew all about him jesus said here is truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And when he heard Jesus say this, Nathaniel made a confession of faith. He said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And suddenly Nathanael knew that Jesus was far more than a teacher from Nazareth or even a rabbi from Nazareth. Nathaniel called Jesus the son of God and the king of Israel. And those were significant titles in that culture. Nothing changes our lives more than discovering jesus deepest identity when we think that jesus is just another teacher we're often informed without being transformed we can know a lot about the lessons that jesus shared we may hear sermons and read a lot of books about the christian life but even when we understand the way of life that jesus offers we don't necessarily change again we have information without transformation That can happen when people have been in church their whole lives, have moments of conflict, moments of difficulty. I recall a conflict in a church meeting that started with a man who became irate. He was a leader in the church that I served, and I was surprised by his frustration and by the way he acted toward others when a certain topic was discussed, and the conversation, frankly, didn't go the way he wanted After the meeting, I was seeking guidance from someone who had also been present, and I I sort of pulled her aside, and I said, hey, can you help me understand, what do I do with that? Like, how, how do I help him in those moments? And she looked at me with a sympathetic eye, and she said, Pastor, don't let that bother you. I've known him my entire life. That's how he acted in elementary school. That's how he acted in middle school, and that's how he acted in high school and bless his heart, it's still how he acts today. You know, it's possible to know the Beatitudes, but not know the blessings of obedience to Christ. It's possible to recite the great commandment to love God, our neighbor, and ourselves, but fail to treat other people with just basic respect and grace. The Great Commission can sometimes be recited from memory, but the truth is, We haven't prayed for anyone to know Christ or attempted to share our faith in years. And we can memorize the 23rd Psalm and know it by heart, but when we actually go through a time of tragedy, not feel the abiding presence of the Good Shepherd. That's information without transformation. Nathanael claimed that Jesus was the Son of God and the King of Israel, and that understanding of Jesus' identity I believe, changed Nathaniel's life. I think it set him on a discipleship path that when he got to the other side of it, he he was transformed. He was changed. He was truly a Christ follower. Now, here's a question I'd like to ask you today. Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus a teacher or is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus a a guy from Nazareth years ago, or is Jesus the one that God promised us and therefore the one who should be believed and followed? If you want to do a quick diagnosis of your discipleship, here's a simple way. Measure the resistance you feel to actually living the way of life Jesus describes. If you're informed but not transformed, you'll consider Jesus' call to obedience through love and forgiveness through trust in God, and and when Jesus says, you know, please notice the detriments of materialism, you'll think all of that is naive. You'll think it's impossible to do, and that really nobody does it. But if you see Jesus as the Son of God, if you see Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, which has this element of obedience, you'll know that Jesus' words are right and just, and you'll not say it can't be done. You'll say, how am I going to change my life so that it can be done? And you'll claim the power of Jesus' presence because you realize that actually living the way that Jesus wants you to live is probably not something you can do without Jesus' present. Now, when Jesus is your teacher, even your rabbi, there are always going to be places where the cost of discipleship exceeds what you think is good and helpful to your real life. I was standing at an auction years ago, and a man told me that his mother taught him two things about bidding at an auction. Number one, she said, don't scratch your nose at the wrong time. Number two, she said, always know your upper limit. Your upper limit is the price you won't pay as the bidding rises so that you won't get caught up in it. And then this man turned to me and said, Know your upper limit applies to a lot more in life than auctions. It's the best advice that she ever gave me. Well, here's what I would agree. That is very sound financial advice. But the great danger for us in our discipleship is this. If Jesus is our teacher, our upper limit may be actually quite low. We may make all of his teaching conditional. We may say, you know what, I'll forgive when that person does the following. I'll start giving my money away and even be generous once I have this much amassed wealth. Oh yeah, I'll control my anger as long as nobody provokes me. When we see Jesus the way Nathaniel did, we simply give ourselves over to the way of Christ. We just decide we can't put an upper limit on that. And in so doing, we'll find a life that is good a life that's full, and a life that's abundant. We are informed, but more importantly, we are transformed because Christ can work in that environment to change us. We become a person we can only be when Jesus is actually our Savior and our Lord. Jesus knows you the way he knew Nathanael. Jesus knows me the way he knew Nathanael. He can see inside our minds and inside our hearts as well. And if we walk with Him, and if we obey Him as the Son of God, He will, in fact, give us a beautiful life. When life is not beautiful, because sometimes it's not, there are things that happen that we don't control, Jesus will give us a peace that passes all understanding in the midst of the complexity and the difficulty. But it all depends on the power of identity. How we see Jesus and our desire to make him the Lord of our lives to whom we are obedient transforms everything. And as he said to his first disciples, so he says to us today, come, follow me. I'd like you to think about your life as I offer a word of prayer, and I just want to ask you to pray with me. Lord, sometimes we want to make you something other than what you are and who you are. Help us to submit to you. Help us to actually do the things that you ask us to do so that we might enjoy the life that you promise. Lord, there may be a specific area of life that someone is struggling with today around this question of obedience or a special need they have in the midst of a difficult time. I pray that you would fill that need and help them see the beauty of your calling to simply do what you say. Be for us, we pray, both Savior and Lord, the Son of God, who came for the world. Amen.
1: Our preacher today was Bishop Tom Berlin, Bishop of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church, based in Lakeland. For a free transcript of a sermon for the second Sunday after the Epiphany titled, The Power of Identity, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Keep in mind that Day 1 depends on the financial gifts of faithful listeners like you. Please send your New Year donations to Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta Georgia 30305 or donate online at dayone.org we're grateful for your help this is Dalton Rushing next time on day one we're honored to have with us the Reverend Brandon Harris associate dean of religion and spiritual life at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles his powerful sermon is titled anybody but me be sure to join us next week on day one Our day one preacher Tom Berlin offers some final reflections on his sermon today, The Power of Identity. And Tom, you helped us understand the difference between a teacher, and teachers can certainly have a profound influence on our lives, and a rabbi. You said Jesus wasn't looking for students, but for disciples. And the rabbi-discipleship relationship involves spending as much time with Jesus as possible traveling, talking, observing him. Today, it can be hard for us to imagine what that would be like, you said, although the Star Wars movies might help. So help us imagine what following Rabbi Jesus might involve for us. How do we do that today?
0: You know, I think that um, a big aspect of this is Jesus has to become a conversation partner in our daily lives. So Mm. when you go about your average normal day, you, you simply practice that Jesus is present. And it's a practice because it it puts you in conversation with Jesus. And so some of that conversation is gonna be a conversation of seeking wisdom, seeking, mm. you know, what should I do in the circumstance? But some of that will be simply observational. So imagine if you were an artist and you had a, a master teacher, that person may come by you every so often and say, why don't you try to make that darker? Or why don't you try this type of a brushstroke? Mm. And you would love to hear from that person because you, you're you there because you wanna learn from this person. Mm. So I think that when Jesus is our rabbi, it, it just puts us in this deeper, more intimate relationship. But we have to allow Jesus to actually come into our life. Mm-hmm. Some people do that by asking themselves a series and examine a series of questions at the end of the day. You know, how was I today? If you take Paul's chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 on love, was I patient? Was I kind? Was I arrogant, boastful, or rude? Mm-hmm. And and then you, you don't just do that on your own. You you do it and you think, "What well, if Jesus was sitting here next to me, what would he have observed about my day? Hmm. Uh, I've got a friend who is a rabbi. Um, we had a conversation one time and he began to argue with me huh. and I I wouldn't play. And he finally looked at me and he goes, you don't know how to do this, do you? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, hey, when you're with a rabbi, I challenge you and you have to defend and challenge back. Wow. He said, that's the relationship of a rabbi with another rabbi, mm. but, he, but it's also the one with a rabbi to a disciple. So it, it's that interplay. And I think so often we compartmentalize our faith in Christ to a day of the week, an hour mm. of the week. And that, quite frankly, is why many of us aren't transformed. Yeah. It's why many of us hear about this new life, but, but have a disappointment that we're, we're not actually experiencing it.
1: Mm.
0: So the rabbi thing is the first step toward Jesus is the son of God, the king of Israel, Mm. which is what Nathanael says. Well, that takes that up another significant notch so that we have both the rabbi relationship, which is intimate, but also the lordship experience, which is when we really begin to submit. And that is very transformative.
1: The point of following Jesus as a disciple, you said, is that those who understand Jesus' true identity find that over time their lives are changed. The danger we face today is that we can have information without transformation. We can go to church, hear lots of sermons, and read lots of books about Jesus. We can participate in Bible studies and so forth, but our lives may not be transformed. And the main reason for that is many of us consider Jesus merely as a teacher and not as the Son of God, the Messiah. If we're hitting that upper limit in our understanding of Jesus, how do we open ourselves to acknowledging that he is who he says he is so we can live as true disciples?
0: You know, I I think that in the tradition I come from, which is Methodism, United Methodism, often we look back on the early Methodist movement and we discover people that were doing this. Mm. And the way they did it is they had a community of encouragement and accountability. Mm. So often the word accountability is a negative word. It's like what I got wrong on the exam. Sure. But when you think about accountability with encourage, encouragement, it's it's calling the best out of each other. Mm. So I think if we're actually going to do this, we we do have some alone time to, ah. that we've got to we've got to focus on. Wow, am I really living this life? But what's really helpful is if you've got other people who are trusted friends mm-hmm. and people that that show up who have the ability to speak into your life, ah. and they have the ability. You've given them permission to say, "Hey." you know what, I know who you want to be and what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Or conversely, wow. I mean, the way you handled that situation, the things you said, that changed everything. Uh. You did that in such a Christ-like way. So it's it's the both end of that, right? Sure. And, you know, I have found in my own life, having those people has just made all the difference. Sure. And... Some of us have that in our marriages. Some mm-hmm. of us have that in friendships. Some of us have that in small groups that we help create. I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone, and he and I were part of a small group that um, I, I left when I moved to Florida. But, you know, for 15 years, mm-hmm. we we sat in those rooms. And that's why you have to avail yourself to life in a congregation. Ah. You know, a lot of people have gotten into um, only attending worship online. I have no no problem with that. But what's got to be yoked with that are experiences which can also be online,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where we meet with other Christians and get to know them in a small community and And maybe that might lead you if you're in the same community, you know face to face and sure. really get to know people and develop friendships. Um, I think that that we will never do better than Christian community for helping develop authentic disciples. and the upper limit is, Pretty soon we just realize our upper limit is not the price that is too much. Mm. It's the ceiling that kept me down. Ah. It's, a, it's a glass ceiling in many ways on discipleship where we could have had so much more hmm. had we only just done what Jesus asked us to do. And I've met people who at the end of their life broke through that barrier wow. and found a whole new life. I had a guy that came to office one time, and he, he was just so excited. He said, Pastor, I get it. I finally get what you've been talking about. And honestly, his life just kept getting better and better and better. I've also known people who fell away from the faith Uh, and who ended up in many ways smaller in terms of the impact of their relationship, smaller spiritually, less in love with God, less in love with people, more cynical as a result. And I just find that, uh, boy, transformation is everything.
1: Tom, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will carry with them in the days ahead?
0: You know, I hope people will really do some evaluative work. I hope, you know, at one point in that sermon, I I asked people, you know, think about your own discipleship. You really have to decide if you believe it. Mm -hmm. And friends, Jesus either is the Son of God, he is the Christ, or he's not. Mm -hmm. So this idea that Jesus is another great teacher— that may be a generous view by people that aren't people of faith, but it's just not that helpful to me. Because the truth is, I am never going to transform myself through more information. I'm going to transform when I open my life to be transformed by the one who I believe is is the divine presence of God on earth and the Holy Spirit, which is still working today in our lives and in our communities. But But that identity issue... That's central to whether or not I can transform.
1: Bishop Tom Berlin, thanks for being with us today. Well, it's been great to be here. Thank you. Day One is the voice of America's historic Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for
0: joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever.